One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time. It's my screen time too! Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters, we watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 10 and Libby and Nate are 7. And I have two kids, Jay is four and Kenny is one. They are extremely adorable, even when we're cooped up at home with them all day, every day. And as with every episode, we like to get a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful they are out of the way, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. So Deborah, what have your adorable children been up to this week? Uh, distance learning and my first graders are doing a poetry unit and they had to write, they had to pick a topic. Libby chose candy, Nate chose sleep, and they had to write a simile about them. And Nate's simile is that his bed looks like the dishwasher. (laughs) (laughs) Because the handle sticks out like his, like his pillow Okay. And the door is flat, like his the covers on his bed. And like it makes sense, but it is just the most incongruous like simile I've ever heard. Yeah. He is doing some outside of the box thinking. Maybe he's gonna be an excellent poet. <laughs> How about your kids? I am pleased to report that Jay finally understands sarcasm. Oh. And I know it to be true because he was he was relating a story to me about a game he had been playing and there were lots of additional astronauts in the game. And he was talking about how he just talks to some of those kids, but sometimes they just don't listen at all. And I said, wow, I have no experience with kids who don't listen. I wouldn't know what that's like. And he said, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> He got it. He really got it. That's pretty sophisticated for a four-year-old. So should we move on to screen time in the news? Sure. So today we're discussing an April 23rd article from the Chronicle of Higher Education. That's right, guys. We are going highbrow this week. And the article was by Becky Supiano called, Why is Zoom so exhausting? So as you might guess from the publication title, this article is coming more from the perspective of university, both professors and administrators, people who have gone from a workday that maybe included some teleconferencing, but are now consumed, as we all are, by Zoom this and Zoom that. But we felt like it also applied to our own lives because we're all Zooming a lot and we're all also exhausted by Zoom. The three really interesting points that I thought she made were that Zoom is also kind of exhausting because you're 
checking out a teeny tiny image of yourself at all times while you're on this conference. So you're aware of your body in a way that you wouldn't be during face-to-face communication, which I thought was really interesting. Also, she pointed out the obvious that you go from having a day where you might have a lot of meetings, yeah, but you're still moving from place to place. Now all of a sudden that sphere has shrunk to like the same corner of your house in front of your computer. And even though you might be meeting with different people talking about different things, your body and your mind know that it's the same. The most interesting point that she made was in relation to university professors dealing with a whole class full of people via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And the point was that face-to-face communication when you're actually up in someone's face is really intimate. And that might make it more difficult and more mentally taxing to deal with a whole room full of people because your brain is trying to, you know, emotionally connect with all of those faces. Whereas when you're in a lecture hall, or even in a normal classroom, they're at a far enough remove that uh, it's a little easier to play the role of orator, I guess. Mm -hmm. What did you think about this article? Did any of these reasons explain your own zoom fatigue if you have zoom fatigue well for me zoom is like when you and our library school friends chat every other week which is super fun and Mm -hmm. enough zoom in my life i picked the article because my kids have zoom once or twice a day during the school week for school and libby is fine she really likes it but nate hates it and i wanted to delve into why a little bit and so This didn't answer for a first grader why it's so hard, but a little, like it gave me a little bit more insight into why it is so hard. And it is definitely not a replacement for a classroom experience. Mm -mm. No, not at all. I will say that Jay, he only Zooms like once a week, if that, Mm -hmm. for his class, and he hates it. He won't even participate like I put it on so he has the option but he doesn't even go in front of the computer like he's so overwhelmed by the experience oh yeah it's just he went from being a kid who loved school and loved seeing and interacting with all his friends to now he only gets to see them once a week and he won't even do it oh that's too bad and I think for the because this was geared toward like college professors but I think it's the same for elementary school teachers like classroom instructors are so used to reading the room Mm -hmm. and they that's just impossible on zoom or any other teleconferencing software with early childhood education too I feel like so much of the emphasis is on so-called child-led learning Mm -hmm. um, like following the cues of the kids and even if you're zooming every day you're just not getting the feedback from them to know if they're absorbing concepts how they're absorbing concepts what kind of encouragement they need yeah it's a world of difference and a sad world of difference (laughs) Yeah, hopefully it doesn't continue for years. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't continue for much more than the next academic year. I guess we are lucky that we have it, though, because without it, it would be really, really hard. We are also very lucky that we have access to computers because there are people that can't. And then what are they doing with their educations? It's like they're at even more of a disadvantage than they ever Mm -hmm. were. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, starting 
with a downer is always a good thing. So last week we talked about, or last episode, we talked about virtual tours. Do you have any follow-up from that episode? Have you been on any more virtual tours? I have not been on any more virtual tours, but I did talk about how Jay acting out the video game he plays with his dad was driving me crazy, Mm -hmm. but... Lately, he's been acting out the International Space Station tour videos that we went on. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) So I guess they were good for something. Although I will say that he often wants me to come with him on these tours and pretending to jump upside down into like (laughs) one of the four bedrooms on a International Space Station is uh, a little tricky little tricky who are the russians in this scenario (laughs) well i will tell you that we share our space station with 100 other jays okay (laughs) and they're boys that jay adopted and raised and named jay like you do (laughs) uh so i don't know that any of them are russian maybe they're russian by birth but They've certainly been raised by an American four-year-old. So. <laughs> I love his imagination. That's so cute. <laughs> Let's move on to today's topic, Disney Magic Moments. It is a website that you found, Katie. And Disney, with its theme parks shuttered, cruise ships docked, resorts deserted, movie theaters, wastelands of tumbleweeds formed from congealed popcorn remains... Disney created a hashtag to keep the mouse top of the mind while we shelter in place. So Disney Magic Moments is part of the Disney.com website. The tagline is experience the magic of Disney wherever you may be. It launched April 6th. It's just a whole grab bag of goodies from Disney.com, other places on Disney.com, and kind of aggregated into one place. It's craft tutorials, recipes, videos from all the different Disney brands like Disney, Pixar, Nat Geo, Star Wars, and Marvel. And the hashtag redirects to the official blogs for Disney Parks blog, official Star Wars blog, D23, which is the official Disney fan club website. And it includes a lot of video content like these cute little short videos Uh, that are at home with Olaf. There's Draw with Disney and Draw with Pixar, animated character tutorials, animal drawing tutorials from National Geographic. There are story times where celebrities read books based on Disney films. And we're not sure if all of the celebrities reading the stories have been in Disney movies like John Stamos. What Disney property was he in? Yeah, I know. I could just look this up, but I saw his face on there and I was like, John Stamos, how are you connected with the Disney brand? I have no idea. Maybe Toy Story? We could look it up. (laughs) (laughs) There are virtual theme park rides and there are we're all in this together type messages from Disney stars. So Katie, you picked this. I had no idea that was that it was a thing. Do you want to tell us a little bit wh- about why you picked it? Yeah, well, we live in Florida, as you know, mm-hmm. Deborah, and as most listeners know. Uh, so trips to Walt Disney World are far more commonplace than for us than they are for a lot of other families. It's just close and easy to go to. So, so far, the COVID-19 pandemic has seen us cancel not one, but two Disney trips. So we're Jones in a little bit for the happiest mm-hmm. place on earth. 
and Disney has had a rough couple of weeks. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about how the CEO of Disney was stepping down after the successful launch of Disney Plus. But since COVID, he came back. Bob Iger has returned mere seconds after his retirement to try and uh, see the company through these tough times. They actually furloughed 100,000 employees, like 50% of their workforce, which is a really sad thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also just been thinking about Disney because shortly after we all started sheltering in place, Pixar released its newest movie. Did you see it? Did you watch it for family movie night? It's called Onward. The kids watched it and Jeremy and I watched Homeland. Nice. Um, (laughs) Well, I was just thinking about this in the context of Trolls World Tour, which is not a Disney property, but which came out with what I felt was a lot more fanfare and a lot more successfully. I feel like everybody was talking about Trolls World Tour and they probably did as well as they could with a non-theatrical release. Whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like Onward, it was just at the beginning of this whole thing. They didn't really know how to roll out a digital only release. And I'd be interested to see some comparative numbers, even though we probably never will. Because it kind of feels like Onward fell flat. For a Pixar film and like a star-studded Pixar release, it did not seem to go very far. Yeah, it was just like a surprise that it was available on Disney Plus for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know that it would take a global pandemic for me to get on board with the Trolls franchise, but apparently that's where we are. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, we talk a lot about what our kids, teachers want us to be doing with them all day. But I was just curious to know what the man wanted us to be doing with our kids all day. So that's why I thought Disney Magic Moments might be uh, an interesting place to spend some time. Yes. And it was, like I said, a grab bag, a hodgepodge. So we each picked one craft or recipe. So like an activity to do from the website. Um, we each watched one at home with Olaf video. We each did a drawing tutorial and then two other items that caught our fancy. So we'll chat briefly about the categories that we both looked at and then we'll move on to what we did on our own. Well, we did them all on our own, but (laughs) (laughs) you know what we mean. (laughs) So, all right. Craft a recipe. I did a recipe because we're doing so much cooking here in quarantine, always Mm -hmm. on board for a new recipe. And we cooked the grilled cheese sandwich from Andy's Lunchbox, which is a restaurant in Toy Story Land located in Disney's Hollywood Studios Park. We have never actually eaten it in the parks because while we go to Disney a lot, we are still very averse to waiting in line for things. Mm-hmm. I know it seems like it would be impossible to go to Disney and not wait in line for things, but we have really young kids. So for the yeah. most part, it's kind of okay for us to miss stuff still. Like we just don't tell them that it was an option and they don't mm-hmm. ask because they're having fun seeing the things. And so we haven't ever waited in the extremely long lines at Andy's Lunchbox, which is still a pretty new restaurant. So we made the super fancy grilled cheese. The thing that it did that I feel like 
or the thing that the recipe did that I feel like is very trendy for grilled cheeses is it had mayo on the outsides instead of butter. Have you heard How this before? How did that work? I've heard of it, but I haven't tried it. It actually, it browned up really nice. The thing that I questioned was that there was minced garlic in the mayo and mm. it was just a lot of garlic. I think maybe because we're home and we're cooking all the time and I'm cooking a lot of pasta and a lot of mm-hmm. Italian food. I just, there's a, a lot of garlic in my life. So I don't know that I needed that on the outside of my decadent grilled cheese. Not that it made it taste bad. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the inside, there were just a bazillion different kinds of cheese and it was very good but very rich and I will definitely never make it again. (laughs) Did you cook or did you do a craft? I also made a sandwich. I made the Monte Cristo sandwich, which is the weirdest sandwich Mm -hmm. ever. I've seen it on on restaurant menus. I've seen it in Perk's person because I used to be a server at Perkins. Oh, way back in the day but I've never tried it and honestly I picked it before reading the whole recipe all the way through which is like how I start every (laughs) thing I have ever cooked or baked before (laughs) and it is bananas like it's got deli ham I didn't have turkey cheese and then you like dip it in batter and then you fry it and then you put powdered sugar on it and serve it with like jam yeah I was like isn't there it's like a combo sandwich and french toast yes it was an experience I actually took a couple videos maybe I'll put them on Facebook later when the episode comes out it was like super involved it turned out really well, though, and my family loved it. And Tony keeps asking, when am I going to make those sandwiches again? And I'm like, never. You can <laughs> order it in a restaurant <laughs> next year. Were there a lot of ingredients that you were like, why am I putting this in? Like, why can't it just be a ham cheese sandwich with, you know, French toast instead of regular bread? It's actually pretty simple. Like, I had all the ingredients on hand, which was part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. The The problem is just, like, it's so greasy because you, like, yeah. fry it in oil on your stovetop. And I'm not a fried food at home type of mm-hmm. cook, usually. Interesting. Where did they say it was from? Sorry, I missed that part. Oh my gosh. I don't even remember. It's from one of the restaurants yeah. and they say that it's the like one of the most requested recipes by Disney guests. Do you think that restaurants see a lot of Monte Cristos ordered for that very reason that it's something that people, while they might like it, would never, ever make it at home? I think that's probably why it is a restaurant menu item for sure. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to admit that that sounds intriguingly delicious and garlic free (laughs) if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. No, it's definitely a like a sweet entree. All right. Well, if it doesn't have garlic, then I'm pleased with it at this moment. So what did you watch for At Home with Olaf? I watched a couple of these cute little shorts. Um, I watched Hide and Seek and the one where, and I don't remember what it was titled, he like makes his own one man band and he like takes apart all his various body parts so they can be like playing the drums while he's, and he like sticks a clarinet in his nose where the carrot is so he can play the clarinet. It was a uh, gross slash cute. What did you watch? Yeah, Olaf is it, Olaf is really fun. I watched Adventure, which is like where his body is searching for his head because he catapulted it out of a slingshot. Like you do. <laughs> it was cute. They're really short. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like a minute and it was it was pretty delightful. 
And I think the hook here is that we're supposed to be celebrating Disney for creating new content during these trying times, which I guess is great. But I mean, it's not going to entertain my kids for more than a minute. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we also did some art. What did you draw? Unsurprisingly, Jay and I drew, because I did this with him, the child from The Mandalorian, better better known as Baby Yoda. Okay. I'm really interested to hear your take on this because I thought it was a terrible drawing tutorial. It went super fast. It assumed a lot of knowledge about center lines and like things that I could follow as an adult, kind of. So Mm -hmm. my product at least came out looking a little bit like Baby Yoda, but it was very fast. It was very perfunctory. I don't know. I wasn't satisfied by it. What did you draw? I did these with Libby and we tried Ariel and Olaf mm-hmm. and they were, I mean, it's it, both of them like assumed a level of sketching skill that neither Libby or I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think if you have taken like a real life drawing class and have some background in sketching, it would be a lot better result. Mm-hmm. I thought it was hard. Libby yeah. was really frustrated because her Ariel didn't really look at all like Ariel and mine was better than hers in her opinion. And so she was like frustrated by that. Aww. If I did another one, I would do it on my own. Like I my Ariel was pretty good. So, <laughs> all right, we have to see pictures now. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing those again, but I they're definitely more for like I would say like a teenage body and artist or like an adult who's mm-hmm. dabbling and sketching. Then I, these aren't really for kids. It made me think of the YouTube channel that we explored during our YouTube for the summer art Mm -hmm. for kids hub because they also did a lot of popular character drawing tutorials and they were so much better paced easier to follow and I thought the product turned out wildly better yes art hub for kids is like a gem and the guy who does those videos clearly has like an art background but also like an education background because he's He's really good at making it very step-by-step and approachable. Because talk about assuming a a level of skill. Like, I know we talk a lot about how much we love Jamie's pattern on Cosmic Kids Yoga, but the Art for Kids Hub pattern, the Art for Kids Hub guys pattern, (laughs) whoa, is really good because every step of the way he's like, wow, you know, yours is turning out a little different from mine. Isn't that cool how art can be different Mm -hmm. depending on who makes it? He's super encouraging to the kids, which could go a long way to allay that sense of frustration that Libby had. And oh, it just, yeah, I was not as impressed as I wanted to be with the Disney Magic Moments drawing tutorials. Mm -hmm. What did you check out on your solo wanderings? I also did the bedtime call, which apparently used to be a thing. They brought it back for maybe just this moment in time. I think it might be going away soon from what I read on the website. But you call a toll-free number and then you can choose to have a bedtime message from like one of five Disney characters, Mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse characters. So Libby and I did this one together too, and she chose a message from Minnie Mouse. It was really adorable. I think and she's seven and she wasn't really in her pajamas tucked into bed yet, even though it was sort of bedtime. And so she was like, she thought it was kind of silly. 
So she's a little bit older oh, okay. than the ideal age. But I think for like a littler kid who's really into Mickey Mouse, it would be super adorable. I think we might have one or two days left. I think it only goes through the end of April. So sorry, listeners, by the time you hear this, it might be gone. But, you know, depending on how long this pandemic goes, Disney could bring it back. So keep your eye out. (laughs) (laughs) The other item that I checked out was a video. It was titled Welcome to Spring, and it takes place at Disneyland Paris. And it's one of the, like, performances. Mm -hmm. And it was a Mary Poppins medley, very choreographed, very fun to watch. I love a good choreographed show. I should have checked more of those out. What did you pick to do on your own? Well, because we were jonesing for our theme park visits, I did the virtual Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is one of my favorite like nostalgic childhood rides at the Magic Kingdom. It's just like a classic kids roller coaster set in like a mining town. So it's not It's a quote-unquote thrill ride, but it's more about the theming, and yes, it does go fast. So I was excited to do, like, fake putting my arms up in front of my computer screen while I was riding the roller coaster, Mm -hmm. but they also added this little, like, pop-up video feature where it, like, told you little things about the ride as you were going, which was not really what I was looking for. The music they... Also, the music they used under the video ride was not the same music that they use on the ride. To me, it was just why? Like, if you're trying to give like a fun experience that is even in the cheesiest way analogous to an experience you would have in the parks, why would you change the music? Yeah. It seemed like a silly move. Was this a video? Was it new or was it repurposed from somewhere else? Now that I did not look into, I don't think that Disney would have sanctioned videos of their rides online prior to this. It seems to me like something they would be doing out of desperation. Mm -hmm. But that's just an assumption on my part. Could totally be wrong. And then I also did a little video short that was the science of Disney telling how they make the roller coaster cars speed up really fast on the rock and rolly. Wow. The rock and roller coaster. Okay. (laughs) Again, in Hollywood Studios. And it was interesting for me because I'm a nerd and an adult. But Jay was interested in it for like all of 30 seconds if that okay um so it's just a mechanical engineer at disney talking about the magnets that they use to make the cars go real fast okay that sounds interesting so we did a bunch of different stuff covered a lot of ground thematically although all under the disney banner did this feel like a crass grab for your eyeballs It felt just a little haphazard. I wouldn't say it feels crass because it's not even that well done. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. It's just what can we get out there? What can we slap this hashtag on? That'll keep people talking about Disney. As yeah, as I work from home, you know, like a Disney employee who's working from home, zooming about (laughs) what they can do. (laughs) What did you think? I mean, there were some parts that I really liked. I think the release of recipes from the various hotels and theme park restaurants is genius. Like Mm -hmm. that, I thought was a really great way to make you miss the parks, but feel like you're there in spirit. Mm -hmm. 
And I guess I like all the little talking head things about the science and how it works. But you're right. I do wish that it was done better. I also wish that it was laid out better because it is very much in the structure of like a early 2000 blog Mm -hmm. where it's all like organized by date. And they have some ways that you can choose by topic. But if you're only interested in one type of content they have on there, it's a little tricky to find, I thought. Yeah, it seems like it's set up to just be serendipitous. Like you just scroll and swipe your way through until you find something good. And it's not meant to find something specific very easily. Right. Whereas I just wanted to put my kids in laundry baskets in front of the TV and have them pretend to ride It's a Small World. (laughs) And I couldn't find it. (laughs) Oh, that's too bad. That is a good idea. (laughs) So did it give you positive or negative feelings toward Disney? Mostly positive. Mm -hmm. We also had a trip to Disneyland in California planned for spring break this year, which obviously got canceled. And so... It was fun to see, especially that video from Disneyland Paris, Mm -hmm. because I forgot that part of going to a theme park is like the performance aspect of it, because I'm not like a big ride person. Mm -hmm. So it made me look forward to the day when maybe we can go there and see their performers and eat the food. And it actually made me feel worse about missing the trip than I had been feeling in a while. But like in a good, in a good, in a positive way towards Disney yeah how about you well I think they're doing their best it's Mm -hmm. I mean to me the experience of going to a Disney theme park is so much about the ambiance so much about the performers I mean they are gonzo strict with their cast members and like what they're allowed to do and how they're supposed to behave which to me translates to a really good theme park experience I'm not sure that that means it translates to a good working experience but that's a conversation for another day Mm -hmm. uh And obviously you can't replicate that spirit in a website, but it is nice to have somewhere to go to give me a little bit of the Disney feels. Mm -hmm. Did it bug you at all that the title was a hashtag? It made me feel so old because it's called Disney Magic Moments, but it's actually hashtag Disney Magic Moments. Why? Do we need to call it that in the review and like title of this episode I guess well I guess it can't hurt to hashtag it because we would do that anyway but right uh, I just feel like maybe the hashtag has gone too far yeah do you think like I don't know 10 or 20 years from now hashtag something will be like a really retro thing to do probably and it will recall like this moment in time when Twitter was a really big thing. I mean, it does occur to me that they made it a hashtag because it made it easier to repurpose their older content. Like they could just go through and put that hashtag on old stuff. But still, you don't need to title it that. Right. (laughs) Right. And thus ends my Katie is a huge curmudgeon segment. Shall we move on? (laughs) This was a review of like a whole website. So our evergreen questions are a little bit different than our regular ones when we're reviewing like a show or a movie. Can you think of a corporate entity not geared toward kids that's taken advantage of the COVID moment in a similar way to hashtag Disney magic moments? No, although 
this whole experience has kind of really made me wish that I had an Instagram account. Yeah. Because I feel like people are really congregating around celebrity Instagrams and such in a way that never bothered me before, or it never bothered me to be left out of it before. Well, one, you could still get an Instagram account. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Two, I also, I thought of Instagram and like, the unpolished celebrity video in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought of, I'm seeing a lot of masterclass ads. Same. Have you experienced that at all? No, I Who don't know why they're for a masterclass. Show, like, all right. I don't know why they're showing up in my social media feeds, but that seems like they have taken this opportunity to heavily advertise on social media. I don't know if they've changed their content in any way, but I think they're taking advantage of the fact that people are home on their phones or computers a lot more than they used to be. Also, like streaming concerts. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, every concert's canceled, but musicians are still making music and I have not attended anything virtually, but Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of ads for virtual concerts, right? Is there an outlet you'd like to have serving you additional content right now? An imaginary outlet you'd like to exist that would provide the perfect content to get you through this moment. And seriously, Katie, when I read that, I was like, I don't have time for my own content right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jeremy and I watch like one 45 minute to one hour show in the evening after the kids go to bed. And like, that's, that's all the time I have for my own content, unless I'm listening to podcasts and tuning my kids out. Right. Sorry, my phone is going crazy. Yeah, you're exactly right. I have an hour to zone out in front of the TV. And that's all I get for my own content. But is there any Oh, go ahead. But is there any particular kind of content you wish you were consuming? So I was alerted to there was this local writing conference that got all placed online. And a friend of mine told me that one of my favorite authors, Curtis Sittenfeld was doing a web webinar. Mm -hmm. And she interviewed Emily Gold Gould from who used to work for Gawker. I don't know. Um, and so they still had that conversation, but it was virtual. And I watched part of it because it was in the middle of the afternoon. But it was really cool. Aww. And I loved it. And if I could have, like, I really like to go to, like, author readings and author talks. Mm-hmm. So if we can have more of those online and you can just watch them on your own time, mm-hmm. that is content that I would definitely love to consume if I had more time to consume content. <laughs> Oh, you're so much more highbrow than I am. What did you pick? So I don't know what it is about the current moment, but like the only fiction I want to watch on TV is like lush historical dramas. Like that is all I want. It's all that makes me feel good right now. And I want like a timeline of historical dramas that like starts at the beginning and moves forward towards the present. So like I don't have to actively think about what I'm going to watch next. Oh my gosh, that could like be its own streaming channel. (laughs) And you just start at the very beginning. Like I'd be happy to take the content from wherever like... HBO's Rome is awesome. I'm currently watching Poldark on PBS, which takes place during the American Revolution. Like, 
I don't know what I'm going to watch next, I guess. There's yeah. this Netflix show called The English Game about the birth of soccer. I'll probably definitely watch that because I definitely care about soccer. I do not. That is my sarcastic voice. But I will still watch that. <laughs> the point is, I do not have the time to be seeking out my own content. And I need right. someone else to aggregate it for me. Hashtag Katie's historical fiction timeline. <laughs> oh, I wish I could do that for you. Well, that brings us to, was it better when we were kids? I mean, yes, because we weren't in pandemic quarantine. Yes, obviously that part was better. Was Disney better at getting our attention when we were kids? I mean, I remember the odd like Disney coloring book or like Disney branded storybook, mm -hmm. but as far as the explosion of availability of branded content, we just didn't have it. And maybe that's what made trips to the park when we were kids so special is that you kind of had to be there to get some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So as far as quantity, there's definitely a lot more available now. I don't know if that makes for better quality. What do you think? I think in regards to this particular website, I wonder if it's even going to like live on after right the pandemic is over whenever that is it did alert me to like the various blogs if I were more into Disney stuff I would definitely want to be like following these blogs so I think in that way for a super fan it is better at creating content and getting our attention Ooh, speaking of whether this will live on past the pandemic, I forgot to mention that I did also watch one of the We're All in This Together short videos. Okay. Um, and it, just because a lot of them were done by Disney Channel stars and we're still in the Disney Junior realm of things. So I don't know a lot of the actual human stars of the Disney mm -hmm. Channel, but I did watch one done by one of the kids from the Zombies movies. Uh, and it was a great like kids geared PSA for we're all home right now. We should be home. We should be socially distancing. And I guess I'm just a fan of that message getting out however it can. Yeah, that's cool. Would you ever visit the site alone voluntarily? I would be curious to know what other recipes they come down the pike with. I think that'd be same, fun. Same. I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for recipes. Not that I will ever eat that sandwich again, because just talking about it makes my mouth fill with garlic. <laughs> so 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I think there's definitely content there that can be good for your kids. Those little tiny Olaf shorts, great. Like we said, our kids are probably too young for the drawing tutorials, but there's definitely stuff that can be fun there. I don't think it's actively bad unless you're trying to steer your children away from fondness for any sort of large corporate entity in which case I don't know what to tell you <laughs> yeah I think it's fine for kids I mean there's a lot of different content um, so I think it's totally fine it might not interest every child but if you've reached the end of Netflix definitely check this out ratings it kind of made my heart happy as weird as it was, like, I would definitely give it a, uh, now I'm waffling, 3.54. Okay, yeah, I was going to say 4. I had a really great time making the sandwich, and I don't know, it was a good distraction. Yeah, now you have I'm... me really wanting to try a Monte Cristo. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our website at myscreentime2.com. Uh, 
You can also still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you will find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2, or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye.